It's 8pm, Tuesday, September the 17th, 2019, and you're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Good evening and you're very welcome to tonight's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and for tonight's show I headed to the Kingdom to Dingle in anticipation of this year's Blossnerin Irish Food Awards to meet up with Fallon Moor and also to catch up with Chef Travis Gleeson to find out about his latest cookbook and I also met Italian Giulia Vishani who recently founded Kingdom Food Tours. Before we hear more about all of that, let me tell you how to get in touch with me here at the best possible taste. You can make contact by emailing s.nunan at live.ie or you can tweet me at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation, or find me on Instagram at Sharon J. Noonan. So next month, on Thursday, October the 3rd, Dingle will become the epicentre for the best food and drink producers of Ireland as the final stages of the Blossna Erin Irish Food Awards take place. Last week, I was in Dingle, and when I was there, I sat down with Fallon Moore, who gave me an insight and an overview about the 2019 awards. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Fallon, it's great to be back in Dingle for a couple of days, just having a relaxing time around the town. And of course, in another month or so, it'll be all buzz here because the Dingle Food Festival will be on and the Blossnair and Irish Food Awards. And this is the 12th year of the awards. It is. This is the 12th year and you're right. It's lovely and peaceful here at the minute. But that weekend when we come into it, it is going to be a busy weekend. We are, we're excited coming up to it. We have nearly 350 food producers coming from all over Ireland to celebrate getting to the finals of the awards. And we've lots and li- lined up for them in terms of great networking events. We've got the backyard at Bloss and also we've got our masterclasses again this year. Before you tell us more about those particular yeah. events, let's go back to year one mm-hmm. and just picture the scene. How many producers would you have had? How many entries did you have? How many ca- categories? Because it has grown substantially from year one to year 12. It has. It has grown massively. In the first year, there were 36 categories and just a couple of hundred entries. Um, I suppose one of the very quick ways to look at how much it's grown is today, which is the 10th of September, is my wedding anniversary. So if you think that at that time we could get married and take a honeymoon and come back and do the event... Now we can't go as far as Tralee at this time of year to think about kind of planning in advance of it. It was it was much, much smaller and to see what it has grown to is it's really exciting. So how many categories this year and how many products? Because and you can talk us through the judging stages because there has been a first round of judging which takes place in Mm -hmm. UCC in Cork. There has. We spent a month in UCC in Cork working with the team there where Joe Kerry and his team who are our 
academic partners in the whole awards. We spend a month with them where just under two and a half thousand deliveries would come in. So that's it's a very serious month because everything has to be handled as well as the producer would would expect it to be with the respect that we need to handle it with. The judging has to be done very thoroughly. It takes us the whole month to work through those categories and we bring it down to the top five in each category. And then the judging, it's like a sensory analysis judging system that you have that UCC developed in partnership with the University of Copenhagen. Yes, that's right. And it's now, that would be looked at as an industry standard now. So it brings it down to a very simple judging. It has to be very clear. People are looking at the aroma, the texture, the appearance of the food, the impression of quality that's there and so when we're presenting to the judges in Cork we are working with sensory booths they're sitting in isolated booths everything is presented to them in a very kind of sterile very academic environment and the judges then they come from all walks of life so you have chefs you've home cooks food enthusiasts food writers there's a very diverse range of people who have different tastes different palates there is, because there's a very diverse range of people who are going to be buying the food in turn to take it home to their family. And I think that's why the awards have gone on to be so successful, because the results that are coming from the judging are representative of the people in Ireland who are buying that to put on their table at home. Um, so we do, we work very hard to make sure that the, the judges who are there are coming from a broad background across the industry even in terms of different age profiles genders that are there that it it really represents those who are buying it for their home and the focus is very much on the product you don't know who's made the product you don't see the packaging for example no not at all so you're not giving the judges get no information in terms of where the producer is coming from they're not told whether it's a small producer whether it's a large producer it is simply presented to them on a plate with its entry number on it and it's judged completely on its own merits so it makes it a very level playing field and although people are the judges are sitting round at a table together and there is great crack and great fun but they have their own individual products so nobody can be influenced by somebody else in the table if there's a bigger personality there Yes, that's true. So what we see is in Cork, when we're doing our judging in UCC, the judges are sitting in sensory booths. So we have to be able to replicate when we get to the finalist round in Dingle, which is much more social and people are sitting together. We have to be sure that someone isn't impacting on somebody else's opinion, because whether somebody is a food critic for one of the biggest national newspapers or whether somebody is a home cook, each of those opinions has to stand as valid. So we separate them. It makes it a very busy kitchen to serve it from. <laughs> and then a very busy day after judging. The judging takes place on the Thursday and then the Friday. There's lots of paperwork. You're putting numbers into the computer to find out. They get gold, silver and bronze. And then there's a supreme champion as well. There is. And there's been a very diverse range of products over the last 12 years that have received that ultimate accolade. There has. I mean, we've seen everything in terms of our supreme champion. We've seen butter, we've seen tea, we've seen cider. It's been kind of really interesting to see what's come through. And then from our point of view, it also reflects trends. So sometimes you see that, let's say, when Glenstall was the winner for supreme champion back in 2017. For their butter. For their butter. That was really reflecting people returning to eating more fat and more traditional fat so it has it's been a very kind of 
interesting to see the trends that do come through. And then last year it was an oyster from Northern Ireland. Yeah, so a real return to to our heritage foods and that's one of the panels even going to be discussed in the backyard this year. But we would have, a number of years ago, we mightn't have seen any oysters even entered into the competition and then we've seen that really grow. Um, so it was wonderful to see Rooney's come through last year. And you mentioned the backyard there, which was a concept that you developed three years ago. This is the third year of the backyard and it's supported by Bank of Ireland. It is. So we wanted to create a space. Producers are taking time out of their lives, out of their work schedule to come to Dingle for the awards. So from our point of view, the awards was never going to be a very formal event. We want to make sure that every minute of their weekend is packed and the backyard was created to be part of that space for them. It's a place where people can drop in and pick up a coffee, meet other producers. They've maybe travelled on their own and they don't know the town and they might, you know, they'd like to fall in with a, a group of people over the weekend and meet fellow producers who've gotten to the final stage. And then on top of that, we have panels which run throughout the two days. So they would cover range of topics it could be anything from what a chef is looking for when they're talking to a product talking to a producer about taking a product in to we had a wonderful panel last year on mindfulness with Pat Mulcahy from Ballinwillen and that was such a great start to the weekend because a producer's business has to be healthy on all fronts including in their own time and life balance. I think you touched on something really important there about the weekend. Um, Some producers might just put their product in and they don't come down for the awards but there's so much value in making the trip to Dingle and once you're here taking part in the backyard events putting your hand up and saying to one of the team look you know do you know such and such or I'm such introducing yourself just to people because People are only dying to meet other people and to network and see how they can work together and help each other out. Yeah, I think that's it's something we've seen over the years. We've been very lucky to see in the first few years where producers mightn't have travelled because Dingle is such a big journey. Um, and then the next year, they'd sort of see a little bit of what was happening. People in the industry would hear that there was a lot happening in Dingle on that weekend. So a lot of producers, now we see... It's the producers are taking time out because over those two days, whether it's a buyer that they meet or whether it's a journalist or more importantly, another producer, that it's a problem that they can chat about, that they can pick up the phone then in two or three weeks time and say, look, I've a bit of an issue with this. Have you ever come up against this? And because they've sat and had a coffee with them or a pint with them, depending on how they treated their weekend, it makes it kind of very useful for to them throughout the year because they've formed friendships then with other producers. And some of them have got together and used their buying power together for raw materials and ingredients with their products as well. So you just never know what might be beneficial to you. Well, that's the thing. And we've spent a bit of time this year talking to finalist producers to get them ready for the awards because it is such a busy weekend. And that's one of the stories that we would say. Producers have bonded together before, whether it's on buying raw ingredients or there was a great story where a producer had a potential new customer, but down on the Barra Peninsula. And they were saying, I can't get down there to do one delivery a week. I'd love to take them on, but I just it doesn't make sense for me. They met another producer here in the backyard at Bloss and they said, do you know what? I'm going down there every week. I'll take that box down for you. Because they got that foothold, that's grown. And now they're in a number of other shops there. And in turn, the producer who was delivering for them, they've taken them to other locations. So 
it's for producers to see that if they work together, they can strengthen rather than being thinking of being in competition solely with one another. And you said there about some of the buyers. You might you, know, you just never know who you might meet in the local pub having a pint. It could be a buyer for one of the major retailers. And that's one of the masterclasses that you've done for the last number of years. What buyers want where you have a panel of different people from different retail outlets. It, it's always a very popular masterclass. It is because I suppose producers get a chance to hear from the buyers about what it is they're looking for how they work, how their different relationships, the different policies that work. Um, Last year was the first year we've always had the masterclass with buyers and we've often had independent buyers or those who have been with retailers in the past. But last year was the first year that we asked some of the major retailers in Ireland to sit side by side. And it was a very interesting panel. It was the first time in Ireland that they have done that. So we had a buyer from Musgraves, we had a buyer from Tesco, from Aldi, and from the Dunstore Simply Better team. And they sat and were very honest with producers about what they're looking for, and it gave a chance to producers who were maybe only starting out in business and trying to plan their strategy to ask the questions that if very often if they're going into a meeting and they're sitting in front of that buyer on their own that they might be scared to ask Um, and it was also it was hosted by Maliki O'Connor who is an ex-buyer himself and he now runs his own business Food First Consulting but it meant that he had an insight so he was able to ask some of the more kind of pressing questions for a producer so it was a really interesting masterclass this year it'll be going ahead again with those same four retailers but also with one of the buyers from Lidl so it's one of the ones that finalist producers are really excited about it's one of the ones we had a waitlist for last year and all of these events are free you enter the Blossnerin Awards you pay your entry free but you get all of this added support and help and knowledge and expertise but you must register you do you have to just register let us know that you're coming but from our point of view we're not going to ask somebody they're already taking time out we're not going to ask them to hire a suit buy a ticket for lunch do any of that kind of extra expense Everything which is being put on over the weekend for them is at no additional cost. There's no tickets, but we do need people to register to let us know that they'll be here. Yeah, because it is in high demand, so it's kind of first come, first served in terms of registration. So the Thursday is judging. The Friday you have master classes and the backyard going on, and then Saturday is awards day. Mm -hmm. And it's not €150 Euros a ticket, black tie type event, because you have a number of awards to get through. So they we start do. at 11 in the morning <laughs> up until about 6 o'clock at night. They do. So it's a busy day for our team. We would have over 140 categories that we're awarding throughout the day. But while we put in the hours that day, for the producer, we only ask them to be there for half an hour. So we set out across those eight sessions the different categories. The producer can know exactly what time they need to be there. And then they're freed back up to go back into the showcase event where they can network with buyers or into one of the panels in the backyard. So we try and make sure that their time is used efficiently. Um, But it is, it's a busy day for us. It's a long day. And the showcase space is another space that you manage over the few days. So you have the cinema and you have the backyard and then the showcase marquee where all the finalist products are on display in a kind of shop type setting. Exactly. We make a a shop floor. So everything that's on the shelves of that shop floor are finalist producers. It's been very successful over the years because buyers, it gives them a chance to 
to walk it we actually allow preview appointments for buyers so they can go in on their own and there's time for them to go and see who's made it to the finals and then in turn contact those producers over the weekend where they might be able to to start the conversations about listing there for them so we work very hard to make sure that that venue is is looking well and that it's a chance for producers to to maybe be put in front of somebody who can do good for their business so it's a great few days there's plenty to do there's no hanging around plenty of places to eat drink sleep and enjoy yourself and network so it's highly recommended that the producers come down make the drive it's well worth the trip absolutely make the drive get here be ready for a busy few days have business cards in your back pocket be ready to put your hand out and smile and talk to everybody who's here because there are so many people from the industry here who may be able to do wonders for their business well congratulations on your 12th year and on your wedding anniversary (laughs) also (laughs) thanks so much for talking to me today and i look forward to coming back in october thanks a million thanks sharon you're listening to the best possible taste with sharon newman Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan. And just before the break, we heard Fallon Moore from Blossom Erin Irish Food Awards sharing details about this year's programme of events, which are available to food and drink producers who have made the finals. And of course, the awards run into the Super Dingle Food Festival, which is in its 13th year and include the usual food fair staples, such as cookery demonstrations. And as you've heard me say before here on the programme, no food festival would be complete without the fabulous Nevin Maguire and he'll be taking to the demo stage with our great friend Chef Brian McDermott from Donegal who was on the show recently and that's on Friday October the 4th and if you'd like to go along to that don't delay getting your tickets all the details are on the website dinglefood.com If you're just tuning in now, you might want to hear the repeat of Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. Still to come tonight, we're going to hear about one of the newest food tours in Ireland. But before that, we're off to Dick Mac's pub on Green Street in Dingle to meet Travis Gleeson, an award-winning culinarian and instructor who has taught at such institutions as Cornell University, New England Culinary Institute and California Culinary Academy. His memoir, Chef Interrupted, won the Prestige Award at the Gourmand World Cookbook Awards a few years ago and he's originally from the US but Travis now lives in Dingle and he's due to publish his latest cookbook Burren Dinners. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. I'm here now in the snug in Dick Max in Dingle with the fantastic chef Travis Gleeson who has published not your second book I'd say it's your third book it's my third in Ireland my fourth overall yeah okay congratulations thank you very much can you think of a better place to be in the autumn than a snug at Dick Max I Dingle know in? yeah it's a bit echoey now but we'll, we'll, we'll cope with that and those are not glasses clicking you here <laughs> no absolutely not <laughs> so Burren Dinners 
Travis, it's going to be officially launched in October. It is the end of October the, uh, at the food fair uh, up in Liston Barna as part of the Winteridge Festival, which is on the 26th. That Saturday, we're, we're having a big launch party up there, and then we'll spend the, um, the entirety of the festival up there promoting the book and having chats with uh, several of the chefs and the producers who are featured. So it's, a, it's an exciting time for us. This is a kind of a follow-on book from your first one, which was Dingle Dinners. You were, you're inspired now to do cookbooks from different regions around Ireland. And Dingle Dinners was particularly popular and featured lots of recipes from chefs and restaurateurs in this very town that we find ourselves. It was. And you see, everyone knows the food. Or they, and they know the restaurants, but they don't know the characters behind its swinging doors. And by God, they are characters. Um, and the barn is unique in so many ways, in particular because it's not just about the chefs, but it's the, the artisan food producers, and even some of the, the artisan shopkeepers and the innkeepers up there. So we've expanded from just chefs to, uh, to, to those producers and those shopkeepers and innkeepers, and telling their stories of where in the world they came from and why they came, why in the world they stayed in a place like the Burren, and then following that up with, again, three-course meals, like dinner parties that they would serve in their own home. So it's not chef's food in a restaurant but it's chef's food at home, or in this case, also producer's food at home. It's very interesting that you say it's about telling the stories of the producers and where they've come from, because people are probably wondering, well, where are you from, Travis? Because you're not from <laughs> Dingle originally. <laughs> I'm not. I am I am in the mail road, as they say down here. I'm a good old blow-in. I'm, I'm an American who lived in, I think, 18 or 19 different states, so my accent from America is a bit mucky, and then my, my family originally came from Fermanagh in the north, so now I'm living here in Wish Carey, so... Um, God only knows what I sound like. <laughs> and it was because you took a, a trip over here, you stayed here, for, you were just journeying around and visiting Ireland and you decided that your heart belonged in Dingle. Yeah, so I, I sort of, I told that story in my, my memoir, Chef Interrupted, about uh, I'd been through Dingle a number of times and then finally spent a, a night here with my brother and my sister and sort of saw it as a place where I could, uh, for a short period of time, live that, uh, that expat dream. So I came for a winter uh, in 05, 06, and um, thought that that took care of the, the wild oat, but it did nothing but uh, plant it in very fertile soil and, and water it well with the black stuff. You were captivated and you just couldn't leave. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I suppose um, it's the typical blow-in story, save for the fact that I only came in the winters. I was until the summer before we actually shifted over here permanently. Um, I'd only ever come from November to February uh, traveling to visit Ireland. So it, it's not the typical uh, Yank who comes over here in the midst of the summer on, on the three hot days that we get in West Cary and says, oh, I wish I could live here. It was, you know, we, we sort of hunkered down and weathered the storms. And even after we moved here, I mean, the first five years, we didn't own a car. So we were cycling in through, you know, hailstorms and hurricanes. But um, yeah, in, in fact, because of that, we're, we're sort of, my wife and I, are even though we have a car now, we're still known as the Yanks on the bikes. <laughs> <laughs> and being a blow-in myself, I feel that you see a town and you see the characters in the town through different eyes than the locals do. Yeah, I, I often say that um, people who live in a, in a wonderful place see it for what it is, and people who come to a wonderful place to live see it for what it can be. I think that the balance there is to to not try to make it where you came from, whence you came. I, I think the, the, the thing is to, to enhance it. Um, a lot of the festivals and the activities and the organizations that, that happen 
in any small town uh, or medium-sized town anywhere in Ireland, I think a lot of the people that, that are the spark behind those flames, I think that those are people who come in and see a potential or perhaps they see um, uh, an unmet need um, that no one else sees and they create something. I mean, for instance, there's a, a brand new festival happening um, the end of November here in Dingle, Dingle Literary Festival. Um, it's the one thing that we haven't had uh, out here in, in West Kerry. Um, so that's that's something that someone saw a need and we're putting it out there. So we're though we're launching the book uh, Burn Dinners up in the Burn, we're having a bit of a, a celebration for it down here in Dingle on the Sunday of, of, of that weekend as well. And was it getting involved in festivals such as the Dingle Food Festival and the Irish Food Awards, the Blossom Erin Irish Food Awards, that you're able then to network with other people in the food industry and meet people from the Burren. So you were able then to do that as, a, as your next book after Dingle Dinners. Absolutely. Um, we, we often say that we were welcomed into Dingle and into the broader uh, food community of Ireland far faster and, and far deeper than we had any right to hope. Um, the, the people here are in the food industry in particular. Um, they're caring, they're welcoming, they're hospitable. And so by having something to give, um, we were welcomed in. And I, I feel that, that that's the way of any place that I've ever lived, is if you muck in and try to make the, the, the place better, you're going to be welcomed in and you're going to be part of the community. So we're, we're very fortunate that we have been accepted in. But yes, the, the food community of Ireland, I, I can't go anywhere. And I've only been here now seven years. I can't go anywhere to any food festival and not run into someone that I know. And, um, uh, and I'm treated like an old friend, which is, which is really lovely. Tell us a bit more about the Burren Dinners book then in terms of the types of recipes that are in it. Do you have a favourite one in there? Yes, I do, but uh, I'm certainly not going to tell you. <laughs> you tell me <laughs> <a minute. laughs> because I Because there are some that aren't my favourite. Uh, no, actually, um, they're all brilliant and they're very broad. They're from um, uh, simple country fare from Grand's Kitchen to, um, to wonderful brunches to uh, folks using their... Uh, their own produce, you know, some of the producers, etc. So it's it's very broad, and even some of the, um, you know, like um, uh, David McCann from Drumolan Castle, his is his is a, a wonderful pot roast of beef, um, and Brigitte uh, Curtin from uh, Burn Smokehouse is a, a very simple summertime, you know, grilled lobster and and apple crumble. So it's it's all over the place uh, from. Um, fancy party food, um, wild game to simple, you know, after a hike, let's just throw this together because there's five or six of them around. Just like with Dingle Dinners, these are all recipes, parties for six. There are in interchangeable bits and bobs, but it's starter, mains, uh, accompaniments, uh, sides and, and, and desserts. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a taste from everyone's home, which um, unless you happen to know 35 uh, artists and producers, chefs and keepers in, in the burn, you're not going to get a taste from their home. Absolutely. And you, and you mentioned Brigitte there from the Burren Smokehouse. And I think Burren Smoked Salmon is synonymous with the area. If, if you think about food from that part of Ireland, you do think about Brigitte's award-winning smoked salmon. But there are so many other products in the area as well that are that are getting a bit more they're getting much better known now. They, they are. And I think that Brigitte's done a really good job at, at plowing that road. Um, uh, there has there have been f people concerned with very good food since there have been people on the burn. Um, uh, I say that in the book. It, it, it was 
you know, Henry VIII got his oysters from uh, the flaggy shores. Um, so it goes back a, a good long time. And yes, producers like Red Bank's food, like um, uh, Centola's goat's cheese, like the Burren free-range pork um, and Brigitte's salmon and, and, and. And then you've got wonderful chefs who take those ingredients and turn them into something really spectacular. So we've also, in the book, we start out with what we call the champions of the Burren food scene. And there's, there's a farmer, there's a producer, there's a chef, and there's a person who's been a promoter of the burn food. So, so we kind of take it from the farm all the way to getting people to know about it as well. And that, that was a really fun part um, uh, of the process for me as an author uh, and for me as a foodie. I mean, at the end of the day, that's really what I am. I'm a chef, I'm a food scientist, I'm a writer. There's a good bit of conjecture about all three of those. But for me to be able to go and have these chats with, um, you know, the guy from um, Alwi Caves, the burn gold cheese, who milks the cows in the morning and then on his in his own car brings the tank of milk and makes the cheese in the afternoon. I mean, what an amazing! And then he goes and he cycles all afternoon. It's just really wonderful stories to to, to listen to. And then uh, I'm I'm honoured and fortunate to be able to tell those stories. The landscape in that part of Ireland is very unique, and that in itself has an impact on the cows and what they eat, and then the flavour of the meat. Yeah, I, that's. You know, I believe that that's the case all over Ireland. That that you you taste whence the food comes, and particularly in the burn. Now, Peter Hurt, Brigitte's husband uh, from the Roadside Tavern uh, and the Burn Brewery, he has, tells a great story about um, if you look at the landscape of the burn, you, you see it, it's sort of like there's nothing there. But it, there's a horticulturist's frame that's about two feet square. If you put that on the ground. Horticulturists can they count 24 or 25 different species of plants in that small area. So when you look at it on the macro, it's like, how does anything survive here? But when you really look at it, you can see that there's a variety from alpine to um, Mediterranean plants growing and they've, they've got a foothold. And to me, that is uh, an analogy of, of how people came to the burn and they found it's not for everyone but they found a, a crag to put down roots and then to create something beautiful. And the food that comes out of the burren or that people go to and experience in the burren is some of the best in this country, hands down. I think it's interesting that a lot of the people are from other countries, like Brigitte is from Sweden. It seems to be the type of place that is it Northern Europeans come to it and are captivated by it in the same way that Dingle captivated you and they come and they find an Irish man or woman and fall in love and, and the rest is, the rest is history, as they say. I, I certainly think so. I think that the, the, the people, uh, the Europeans at least, that, that come uh, and, you know, it's a hiking destination uh, and because of the, the amazing um, geology there. And there's there's one person that we um, that we we talk to and we write about in the book uh, from Adam Coffee, and his um, his essay I, I titled "You Can't Run in the Burren," and, and his his feeling there is you, you put on your boots and your troubles melt away because you have to slow down there you, because you can't run you're going to hurt yourself, and there's sort of an analogy for life um, and life in the burn there, um, and but it's not just. Uh, people from other countries that, that are captivated. There's a lot of people that have come from other parts of Ireland and decided to settle down in there. Um, and that was fun to, to kind of hear as well, um, that, that people are drawn there from around the world, but also from 
even even people from other parts of Clare that have, have migrated up into there and and really dug their heels in it and made something special. Well, it certainly is a very special part of Ireland, as is Dingle. I'd imagine a lot of work goes into putting a book like this together and there's a lot of different people involved in the project. Sure, you know, and it'll be my name that's on the front as the author and, and I was very fortunate, again, Nevin Maguire uh, wrote the foreword for us and we have a, an amazing photography team that did the food photography and the and the photography the, of the Burren and the people itself, but the Burren Ecotourism Network and in particular the uh, the Burren Food Trail uh, folks were... were you know, there's, there was no way that this book could happen without them, um, and uh, a grant from uh, Leader as well that, that helped helped put everything together so that this could could happen. And is it something that you'd like to replicate in other parts of Ireland? You know, it's it, it all comes down to what makes sense for the publisher. Uh, and Michael and O'Brien, uh, Michael and Ivan O'Brien are, are very good at the businesses of publishing. But I think that there's an awful lot of places that have an awful lot of people that have an awful lot of stories to tell. Um, and there's there's nothing I would like more than to to put out another one of these books. I think we have something of a franchise going. They're they're very popular. But to tell more stories because. People are more interested now in where their food comes from uh, and who's cooking their food. So, um, as yourself, you know, it's just fun to read cookbooks. So I like to give people something to read if they're going to read one. Absolutely, yeah. And I think you're spot on there whenever you're talking about an ingredient. And it is great to be able to put the face to the ingredient. Uh, you know, a place with a face and all of that. <laughs> It, uh, it just, I think, inspires people to cook more and makes them support a particular producer more if they can relate to the individual that creates it. You know, and not to put a date stamp on this thing, but in the times that we live, I think it's going to be really important that we know exactly where our food is coming from and some of the foods that we're used to getting now are going to be more difficult and more expensive to get. If people want to get hold of the book, where's the best place to direct them? Well, as of the end of October, it'll be available in all the best shops. It's being published by O'Brien Press. Uh, we're very, very excited to be a part of the O'Brien family now. So um, they can also get it uh, at the, the Burn Food Fair uh, and when we launch up there. So any other shops, their, their favorite online uh, bookseller, etc. But definitely you want to support your local bookshop. And it has been nominated for an award already? Long listed uh, for an Irish Book Award so far, but we'll see um, just a couple of days before we release it, the shortlist comes out. So fingers crossed because we'd like for, for the people who we represented in the book to, to be recognised nationally. Well, best of luck with that. We'll be keeping an eye out to see how you get on. And thanks so much for telling us all about it today. Sure, it's always a pleasure to spend some time with you. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Welcome back.
back to the best possible taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and for tonight's programme I visited Dingle to meet Fallon Moore to find out about this year's Blossom Erin Irish Food Awards. Visit irishfoodawards.com for all the details about this year's exciting schedule of events. And just before the break, award-winning culinarian and instructor Travis Gleeson told us about his latest cookbook, Burren Dinners, which will be launched at the end of October at the Burren Food Fair and that takes place in Liston Varna, County Clare. All the information about that festival can be found at the website burren.ie. If you're just tuning in now, you can catch the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. And finally tonight, we are returning to Dick Max in Dingle to meet Julia Vishani, founder of Kingdom Food Tours. Like Travis, Julia isn't Dingle born and bred, but she knows good food and drink when she finds it. And she's keen to share the culinary delights of Dingle with visitors to the area. Let's find out more. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Julia, Kingdon Food Tours is a new venture that you've started up. You're not from Dingle. I'm not. Tell us your story, first of all. How did you end up in Dingle? Very good. So, yeah, my name is Julia Vishani. I am originally from the Dolomites in Italy. So it's a small village up in the mountains in the Italian Alps. And obviously, being from Italy, I came here and I started straight away to look for some food-related things, let's say, here in Kerry. Um, I came here about four years ago now and I came to work on a small vegetarian cafe and restaurant in the Dingle Peninsula and that's where I first fell in love with County Kerry and Ireland in general. Um, I really, really enjoyed my time there so much that I met my boyfriend there, uh, Kerry man. So... (laughs) I couldn't go back. Uh, anyway, no, I, um, I decided to stay here. I didn't have many plans, so I decided to stay here. And we moved to Cork and we lived in Cork for two years. Uh, but finally, last year, we came back to Kerry and I started to do my course in tour guiding in Tralee. Uh, it's the National Tour Guiding Certification. So I really enjoyed that. And with the idea actually of creating my own little business then, um, food related. So Dingle, definitely Dingle. I live in Kiel, so it's on the way to Castlemaine. Um, but Dingle, it's obviously where, you know, there's so much good food, so many great local producers, so many, a great food community. So I decided to um, try and start my own food tours. So I started... Um, it's now, I only started in August this year, so I'm really actually at the start. I had a few tours already and I loved it, I really enjoyed it. Um, especially because the people you meet are really interested in food, in discovering local produce. And that's my own thing as well, especially... I always been, have been looking for um, local ingredients and because of my love for food, um, I thought it would be a great idea to share this passion with locals or tourists, whoever is interested in, in food. 
And Dingle is the original footy town. It won that title year one when that competition by the RAI first started. So talk us through a typical tour. Is it a walking tour, for example? Yes, yes. It's a, it's a walking tour. Um, I have it on at the moment on Tuesday and Thursdays. It starts at 1pm. And it's a walking tour of Dingle. So it's about three hours, sometimes a bit longer, it depends. Um, but we start um, uh, down at the marina and then we walk through town and uh, we walk into different restaurants and shops. Uh, I'll tell the visitor the history behind every food they are going to taste. So we're basically going to go into, at the moment, it's five shops slash restaurants and we, we taste little tastings. And I'll tell them, obviously, the history behind. Um, we try seafood, we try cheese, we try meat. We go into uh, Kennedy's Butcher, where actually Travis Gleason is there as well. And um, it's, it's a great way to, I think, to share, as I said, my passion for food and to showcase Dingle as a great tourist destination and food destination. When you go on holiday yourself, is a food tour something that you always do whenever you're on holiday? Definitely, yes. <laughs> I First of all, because you know, I like to discover, I think that food is really something that you can learn the culture of the place, through which you can learn the culture of the place. And um, I've been to a few food tours uh, in Spain, Portugal, um, and... Yeah, it's a great way. It's a great way to find out more about the local culture. So it really helped as well to develop my own tour, um, just to get to know the people doing it and to discover how they do it themselves. In terms of your guests that come on the tours, have you found that there are any particular nationality or are they from all parts of the world? Uh, because I'm at the start, uh, I only had a few tours, uh, but they were mainly Americans. So I would be doing the tours in Italian as well, because obviously I'm Italian. Um, so it's, it could be done multilingual. I could be doing half the tour in Italian or like be translating at the same time, or obviously only like attract the, the Italian market, ideally, uh, in the future. And um, yeah. When you approached the, the businesses that you visit as part of the tour and said that you wanted to do this, what was their response? Were they very much engaging with you and welcomed the idea? Um, some of them were, definitely. Um, other ones weren't, really. Um, but, um, yeah, it's it's uh, especially now, Travis really helped me a lot. I met him at the, at the market in Dingle, and it was one of those days that I was a bit... I was a bit, um, just a bit sad because I, I didn't know how to move on on you know, develop my tour. And he came at the right moment and he, he introduced me to Jerry, the butcher, here in Dingle. And they were all amazed, you know, and they were all happy to help. So there is a great, there is a great support. Uh, Dick Max as well here in Dingle. We, we come here to taste their uh, their beers because they have their own brewery they have the their own here. brewery yes yes so they do their own four beers they do tours themselves but I bring people here and you know we get tastings of their beer and um, yeah so even the the dingle the little cheese shop here 
Uh, Mark has been helpful as well. At the start, he has been really supportive. So, yeah, it's a great community, I think, behind the food scene here in Dingle. And I'm happy to be part of it now. And how does the food here in Dingle in Ireland compare to Italy and what you've grown up with? Do you, is there any foods that you miss, for example, that you can't get here? Or do you find the world is fairly global now when it comes to food? And anything that you, you really loved growing up or when you were living in Italy, you can buy it, you can make it yourself? Well, definitely... I think the most, the biggest difference is the cultural difference of eating. Um, in Italy, we love to spend hours at the table eating all together. You know, it's it's more of a it's a great time to spend time together with your friends, with your family, um, my family as well. Uh, my father, especially, he's been he's a great cook, um, and like myself. He enjoys cooking, you know, during Sundays. And so what I really miss sometimes is the this idea of trying to spend, you know, even just a day at the table cooking together and eating food together. Um, some ingredients, like, I mean, you know, some even just vegetables like tomatoes that are really tasty because of the, the great sun in yeah, Italy. Absolutely, yeah. But definitely I, I really discovered great producers here so you know I can't say that I miss really much. Uh, when we go into the butcher, Jerry's butcher, um, the Jerry is showing us, he's telling him about all his awards and all his great lamb, pre-sale lamb um, and his beef from his own cattle mainly. Um, but Travis then he spices up a piece of lamb with some of the spices he produces, he mixes up and he cooks it in the butcher shop uh, so the guests are really you know, blown away most of the time because of that especially um, and they love it it sounds like it's a really interactive tour as well. That people obviously on food tours they do expect to get food to eat, but just even bringing in personalities like the butcher and Travis must give it an extra, an extra bit of oomph. Definitely, and I think that's something uh, maybe a bit different from all the other tours, um, because I really think that it's great to meet the people that behind the food. So it's really important to hear the history or the story behind their product. And as I said, Jerry, but also here, Dick Max, when they can, they come out and give us the history behind their beer. Um, so yeah, it's definitely important. And I think it's great to for the people. They really do love to meet um, the producers. Guests on tours always ask the question, like, where do you recommend that we go tonight? Which pubs, which restaurants, and which ones do you highlight? Because you must have a few that you you like yourself. And obviously, it depends on the age group, the occasion, the day yeah. of the week. But say it is, it's a Thursday. You're doing a tour on Thursday, and at the end of it, the guests said, "That's great." Now, Julia, where should we go for our supper tonight? Where yeah. do you send them? Um, well, I really do personally like Solas Tapas. Um, Nicky Foley has been... I actually wanted him on the tour at the start. Um, but being right down you know, in the centre of town, he was just too busy. But I, I still do like to send people there because he really loves what he's doing. Um, he sources, he goes foraging seaweeds and he, you know, and he really brings in 
um, really great uh, local pr products. So when I can, I send them there. Um, and yeah, like obviously the fish box is a great, it's another great place. It's always busy anyway, but uh, the idea of them having their own trawler, their own boat that go out, goes out and brings back in the, the fish that they serve in, serve in the restaurant is just a great and the food is just amazing. And of course it's just too difficult to pass out Dick Max for the pint. Definitely, definitely, yes, yes. So as we move into the winter now, do you have plans to keep going with the tours? Um, well, I, I'm probably I will be stopping now towards the end of October um, because there's not much request anyway. Uh, but I do take requests if people are interested. I can, you know, just organize it for for them. Uh, probably Christmas if there is some interest. And for next year, I want to develop different tour options. Uh, maybe not only in Dingle, but in other places here in the kingdom. And um, yeah, so give the tourists or the people interested different options to to discover the local food. And if people want to find out when the tours are on and what they involve, where is the best place for them to, to get more information? Well, definitely my website. Uh, it's kingdomfoodtours.com. Um, I'm on social media as well, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, I also have my own little Instagram blog. It's Good Food, Happy Living. And if people are interested in seeing me cooking um, and like sourcing local ingredients with a bit of a taste of Italy, um, that's the place to go. Wonderful. Well, it's been so nice to meet you today. It's always great to, to meet somebody that's starting up a new business and we wish you every success with it. Thanks so much, Sharon. It was a pleasure. Thanks. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Thanks again to Julia for providing an insight into her food tours. And as she said, her website is kingdomfoodtours.com. Now, a reminder before we finish up this evening about some events taking place that might be of interest to you. The Limerick Pig Town series of events is back in Limerick and there's lots of really fun and tasty events planned for the rest of this month and for some of October, including a lovely twilight dinner in the Mustard Seed in Ballangarry on Thursday, October the 10th. Visit pigtown.ie for all the details. And Rachel Allen is coming to the Limerick Strand Hotel next week September the 25th to do a cookery demonstration and that is in aid of Leon O'Connor who has secondary progressive MS and it's part of a campaign to raise funds to send Leon to Russia for HSCT stem cell therapy. Tickets are 25 euros and available on Eventbrite and you can also get them at the Happy Food at Home stall in the Limerick Milk Market on Saturdays. And finally let's not forget about the Dingle Food Festival. It's on from Friday the 4th of October until Sunday the 6th of October and the full programme of events is on their website, dinglefood.com. And that brings us to the end of tonight's programme. Thanks so much for listening and to my guests, Fallon Moore, Travis Gleeson and Julia Vishani. Until next time, bon appétit. Thanks for listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. To get in touch with the best possible taste, email Sharon at SharonNoonan.com or tweet Sharon at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation. Bon appétit.